This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Time for another edition of Green and Growing, the special bonus edition that we do each and every week with our guy Ken Barkley. From You Better, You Bet with Nick Costos, a part of the BetQL radio network. Follow him on Twitter, of course, at Lockie Lockerson. And we'll get to the NCAA tournament and the Final Four for sure. But we're going to start off with uh, NBA of this week, since it is green and growing. We talk Bucks basketball a couple times a week. Nathan Marzian and myself normally uh, download it wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Uh, the MVP race. Last time we talked about this was uh, two, three weeks ago, prior to the NCAA tournament starting. And it was pretty much Joker else and it feels like uh, the race has tightened up uh how are the odds looking now for the joker Embiid, and Giannis? well you know what's funny sparky is i feel like we've had two turns since the last time we talked right like a sure. uh, a pivot and then a re-pivot almost because <laughs> yep. you and i talked about this yeah like a month ago basically um this so i bet a lot of awards this award versus every other one is really funny because we actually get reliable polling on this award all the time to get a really good idea of like who's going to win and who's everyone voting for. Whereas for defensive player of the year, for example, where I know Bucks fans are like really, really want Brooke Lopez to win. Like we don't really know where he versus Jaron Jackson or him versus Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of stands right now. Like my sense is kind of that Jaron's really far ahead, but I can be wrong because like who knows? Right. Like we don't have any polling. Whereas MVP, all we have are polls all the time. Like Tim Bontemps from ESPN conducts them every quarter of the season. And we're kind of at a disadvantage now because like people might be listening to this later in the week. The next one is supposed to come out this week. Then we don't have it yet. So like I could say something and then the poll comes out and it's like the exact, op- the diametric opposite of what I think it's going to be. So that poll is going to shape this market more basically because there's no games left. So if this poll comes out, and Jokic is still really far ahead, which he was at the All-Star break when the last one came out. He had, I think, 77 of 100 first-place votes. And I think the next one was Giannis with 11 to, like, give you an idea of just the staggering distance between them. And that was obviously in mid to late February. If this poll says something similar to that, Jokic will go to minus 1,000. Like, it'll be over. It's basically like this poll will tell you whether it's absolutely over or whether it's like a little wiggle room because none of the games left will really decide anything. It's really just where are we, and we're going to find out really soon, and the betting market will be impacted huge by that. So just where we are right now, so again, we're, we're doing this before the poll has come out. Jokic and Embiid have almost identical pricing everywhere that you look. Jokic is a very, very small favorite or he's sort of lower priced than Embiid. So he's about even money plus 110. Embiid's like plus 120, plus 130. And then Giannis is like four to one, five to one. So like distance between those two and Giannis. My best guess for the poll 
is actually that it's probably really close between Jokic and Embiid. I think Jokic will be ahead in the poll. I'm just not sure. Um, and that's kind of just like if you listen to this and you check the betting market and one of those guys became a huge favorite, it's probably because the Tim Bontemps straw poll came out and that guy was really far ahead. Boy, how much power does Tim Bontemps have? And does he realize how much power oh, he actually uh, yes. has? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> to your point, he, uh, he was on. And like this is part of betting awards, NBA awards especially. Yeah. And people who vote for NBA have really big mouths and they like to do like I think they think they have a ton of power. And like Tim is no, I don't know Tim Bontemps. I'm sure he's a very nice person, but he goes on Brian Windhorst pod. And basically, and remember, he knows a lot of like he talks to all these like people who vote. He knows a lot of stuff. And he basically says something I'm going to paraphrase because I, I think I'll get the exact quote wrong, but it's really close to this and people can check me on this. At the end of Windhorse Pod, he basically says, oh, like, I, I know there are markets for this. Vegas doesn't know anything about how to price these awards. Like, they don't know anything that's going on. The implication being that he does. Right. That he knows everything that's going on. So, if we again, if we're trying to read into that, implications, if you're trying to read into that, if Jokic was way ahead in mid to late February, it is possible this has all been one giant smokescreen of like first take segments and defensive rants and whatever. And Jokic is actually just really still far ahead because he was far ahead six weeks ago. So that could be the implication of what he's saying. I think the other implication and just talking to a few other people, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is actually like done and it's, he's defensive player of the year. And we're just like, for whatever reason, the market's just not responding to like classic signals that that's the case. So I think those are two applications, even of like that comment and the discussion that followed. Interesting stuff, uh, and that is why he is Ken Barkley. I, I'd love to find out if Von Temps actually bets on any of this stuff that he claims to have all the inside information on, and how much is he actually cleaning up on this stuff that he claims he has inside information on? I, well, the, it's, it's tough. Well, I think because you bring up a great point. This is only going to get worse, by the way, in terms of like people having access to information. If books are going to take bets on this stuff, all of it is driven by inside information. Betting on the draft is driven by inside information. Betting on awards is off, especially late in the season, is entirely driven by inside information. Okay, well, I know the voters and they say this. Okay, like that gives you stuff that the market maybe doesn't have information. So I think people would always late in a season of how much is like people actually know stuff, or especially in an NFL or an NBA draft. With, for, with Tim Bontem specifically, the interesting thing for him is he's actually – He's not incentivized that much to bet because he holds this incredible power. And I think if that ever came out that he bet in any way, he would lose the power immediately. So like, he's actually got like some, like there's like a weird push and pull with him specifically, but look, like, does he talk to a lot of people? I'm, I'm sure he does. Do those people talk to other people? Yes. Are the, the second and third at, like people in that chain betting? Yes. Like have no doubt that that's happening. And that's kind of like one of the funny things that maybe people don't kind of realize about how a lot of these markets work. Yeah, that is, that is wild stuff. Uh, okay. Let's uh, transition over to the NCAA tournament. Speaking of wild stuff, no one seed, no two seed, no three seed. You know me, I'm ignorant to this old gambling thing. So I will ask, were there bets out there where you could bet ahead of time that no one seed would make it or no two seed would make the final four? Uh, yeah, so m my biggest win of the tournament uh, oh. is that I, I went everywhere and bet no three. Oh. And I actually had the biggest – I think I had the biggest – well, no two had the biggest sweat because Texas was in the last game on Sunday and a big favorite. So, like, if you had no two, you were, like, really down to the wire and not got lucky, but, like, you needed a really surprising result, Miami beating Texas, to cast your bet. I had no three. No one was the easiest one. That's the funny part. Like, yeah. they, they were all out 
before the Elite Eight even started. So I had no three, and I needed K-State to lose and Gonzaga to lose on that uh, on Saturday. And then Sunday I was already done. So the threes I actually hated in this tournament. I think we even talked about it. Well, you did but like I, Gonzaga. Like, you were all over that. I hated I hated Gonzaga and I hated Baylor. Yep. Uh, and I really, I really, uh, I did not like the other three that much as well. K State was the one I was actually like trying to talk myself into. I hated Xavier with the other three. Um, yeah, there were bets. Uh, but the funny thing, Sparky, is it's actually it doesn't pay as well ever as you think it does. So like, uh, I'll give you an example. There was a market at the start of the tournament on will a 15 seed beat a two? And you might be thinking like, man, if somebody bet that. I mean, they must have made like a lot of money. It was like even money each way. Really? That a 15 would be to do. Because you get four cracks at it. And the implication in the betting markets was this was a really good group of 15s. Like this was a great group of 15s. Right. This was like the Ivy the Ivy League winner, the Patriot League winner. Like these are conferences that cr- create upsets all the time. So like it never pays as great as you think. Now, if you bet like no, somehow if you could find like no one and no two together, then that would pay a ton of money, obviously, because like not, neither of them, that's like pretty historic. But just like sort of individually each bet, like, yeah, you got some plus money prices and stuff, but uh, but it, it didn't pay quite as well, I think, as people would expect, because we all thought this was like the randomest tournament ever. And, and look at what we ended up getting. Yeah, so we've got a Final Four that consists of uh, probably the game that most people would want to watch if anybody's going to watch this thing. I really am interested to see what the numbers look like from a ratings perspective. But Miami and I, I mean, UConn, you know, as a Marquette guy and watching UConn all year, I know what they're all about. And they had a lot of Final Four hype going into this tournament. So I get that. But in this game, I'm rooting for Larinaga and Miami. I really am. I just think it would be a cool story if this dude's able to pull off a national championship before his career is over, considering what he did at George Mason and now making Miami uh, what they have become uh, is a pretty cool story. Yeah, I agree uh, that it would be an unbelievable story. And obviously people have started reading, I'm sure, about what they're doing with like NIL money and like being able to get better players. And welcome to the future, by the way, where like you could get random teams like this because in one year, it used to be that winning a title was like this multi-step process because you keep the same players the whole time. And that with all the player movements in both football and basketball in college, like get used to a program that had no track record of success just showing up. Like Florida Atlantic is the perfect example of this. Not that they pay their players, but it's just this collection of like this coach that kind of like came out of nowhere, uh, wanted to leave the program after like a day at Florida Atlantic, stuck around, got like all these sounds. All of the players on Florida Atlantic are going to get a bunch of money to go play on other schools next year. It's almost a certainty. They have like four players that everybody's going to want. And this is just kind of how it's going to work from now on. So it's just kind of funny, like maybe get used to a little more randomness. In this game specifically, just to your question, with Miami and UConn, UConn is by far the most likely champion, and the market thinks so too. They're the only one historically that makes any sense, and they do make a lot of sense as a champion historically. They would not be a crazy champion at all. They would fit right in with everybody else. But my God, if any of the other three teams won, <laughs> I mean, it's like so basically like so what seeding began in like '78, I think, yeah. or something like that. So since that point, we had you know we had like Seton Hall over Georgetown, but Seton Hall was a good team. Georgetown was just awesome. We had like '83 NC State with Jimmy right. B running around the court. Like you have a couple of these. This is not even close the craziest <laughs> champion if it's not UConn. I mean, like I don't even know what second like like the teams that we were talking about. Like NC State was good. Like what, what San Diego State is like that? It's like not even close. So 
It'll be a little interesting if it's not UConn. In this game, the thing I'd be worried about, like if you have UConn and you're like, it's a lock, they're going to win the title, what I'd be worried about is they haven't played a close game yet. And when they play a close game, and this was my thing before the tournament with this team, Hurley is a terrible coach in close games this year. He loses every one-possession game. He blew the Big East semifinal against Marquette by not calling timeout at the end of the game. Like, it just so happens that they're so awesome that they win every game by 30 points, and he never has to, like, drop a play in the final adjustments. They're just so much better than everyone. So maybe they just roll twice. Maybe they're that good. Um, but, man, if he gets in a close game against Laranega and you get, like, five and a half in that situation, it might be a live betting game. Like, if Miami can get this to the half and be okay or even have, like, a small lead, then I would, I would like, not trust Dan Hurley whatsoever in that situation. So maybe it's, like, a halftime bet. Maybe it's a live bet at the under-eight timeout. Like, if it's a one-possession game at the under-eight, like, I think Miami's winning the game. I just don't know if they can get it to that situation. All right, so I think everybody's rooting for Florida Atlantic, obviously, even with everything you said against San Diego State. But even if San Diego State uh, is the team that wins that matchup, then everybody's rooting for San Diego State probably uh, in the championship game. But the Florida Atlantic thing, man, a nine seed winning a national championship would be insanity for sure. And they're awesome. That's the thing. Like San Diego, like I, I know, like I did not pick these teams to, to win their region. Florida Atlantic was possible. I did not think San Diego State was possible. But even in, like, Ken Palm's numbers, like, entering the tournament, San Diego State was, like, a top 15 team. Florida Atlantic was a top 25 team. So, like, it is crazy, and I didn't pick it. But it's also not like, you know, Colgate went to the Final Four or something, or Fairleigh Dickinson, or something where you're just like, well, I have no idea how this is possible. Teams are really good. Like, Florida, Florida Atlantic has three losses this year. All of them are in true road games. If you just take their home neutral, they're having an undefeated season still. Good like God. I just, it's completely, completely absurd. They're awesome. Uh, the thing I worry about with them in this game, and this, this is true for the first game too, these final fours and these giant stadiums with like the raised court and the crazy right. sight line. Shooting. No one can shoot. Yep. No one. Yep. And I think that really hurts Miami because their whole thing is both guards shot making. That's like their whole team. Like they don't do anything else except those two guards make a ton of deep threes and they're awesome. What happens when those threes miss? Here's UConn by 900. Um, and because UConn's going to get a ton of easy shots against Miami's defense because Miami's defense isn't very good and that's okay. But if their guards can't shoot, that's problematic. And, and if Florida Atlanta can't shoot, San Diego State, like, their identity is their defense. I think it's actually one of the reasons they're getting bet in this game a little bit is, like, the thing that they're really good at is going to work in this game. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if Florida Atlantic's going to be able to score enough. And that's where I just – I don't know how the arena is going to play and anything. So, I do like Florida Atlantic. A I think they're better, actually. The, the game being at this weirdo environment, I think, hurts in terms of being able to bet it. So, yeah, I like Florida Atlantic a little bit. And then for Miami, it's just can they get can they get UConn in like a three point game late? I think UConn will like absolutely kind of crap the bed in that situation. Ken Barkley, follow him on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. You better, you bet. Uh, with Nick Casos, uh, most entertaining uh, radio show you're going to find, folks, on the BetQL Radio Network. If you can't listen to them on our radio station near you, you can always stream them, uh, obviously, or listen to their podcast. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for coming on, man. Look forward to talking to you again next week on a special edition of Green and Growing. Sounds good, Sparky. Thanks.